If you want this podcast free of ads, follow us now on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How you doing there? It is podcast time. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I think would profoundly for the better, change this city, which is relocating the port out of Dublin into somewhere else. The problem with Dublin Port is it's in the wrong place. So that's what we're going to talk about today. That sounds good to me. How are you, Ed? I'm great. I am super duper. You're over your uh, COVID. Do you know I had COVID last <laughs> I week? I know you had COVID. I had, COVID. I had Mickey Mouse COVID. I yeah. pretend COVID. Well, see, you you were vaccinated up the yin yang. So. I know. I've been so vaccinated. I've, I've I've now have. I can safely say to the listeners of Dave McGuigan's podcast: <laughs> if you get the COVID now, it was about a day of sniffles. A little bit of fluey one day. He was a bit cranky, in fairness. I was very cranky. I was very cranky last weekend. <laughs> and all is good. But I have been strolling, John. Because of I'm um, over the COVID, I've been doing my routine down to the 40 foot across Dunleary Pier. And I was on Dunleary Pier this morning. Yeah. Okay. On the East Pier, the Swanky Pier. And I saw In your dry robe. Not in my dry robe, John. Could you imagine me in dry robe? Could you imagine? <laughs> I don't do the swimming thing. Yes. I only swim in continental waters, okay? Enough of this carry on. Although her nibs is in every day. So I believe. Shan is in all the time. It's the whole new thing. It's a whole new thing. If I hear another person say it's good for my mind, yeah. give me a break. Anyway, when I was down on the pier, there's a plaque, John, to Samuel Beckett on the pier. And the reason I want to talk to you about is Beckett. Yes. Whereabouts? Right. On the pier, it's a East Pier, yeah. Past the bandstand, yeah. you go to the elbow, yeah. right? Just beyond the elbow, there's a small little wind turbine. And yes. underneath that yeah. is a plaque to Beckett. And it's the quote from Crap's last tape. Oh, and Jesus. the quote is, I know, John went to Beckett, and he didn't like, we'll talk about that in a second, <laughs> yeah. but the quote is, great granite rocks, the foam flying up in the light of the lighthouse, and the wind gauge spinning like a propeller. Clear to me at last that the dark I have always struggled to keep under is in reality my most. And it stops. That's a typical <laughs> Beckett, right? <laughs> it's like the money's in the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Crap's last tape, John. There was 
you went to this. I, I saw a, a live performance of that. And I have to say, it was possibly the worst night of my life. I think was I 15 or 16 and my eldest brother Tony brought John's John's older brother now is very great man for the books great great man for the books books, yeah and he brought myself and my other brother in and it was kind of it was a big deal because it was the three of us three brothers going for our pints together you know and we were just young fellas so Tony says yeah we'll go for a pint and I'll take you to It was like, Jesus. That, it was a double bill as well. Oh. It was Crafts Last Tapes and Rockabye. Okay. Well, poor out, John. We're not... <laughs> I, I, have a, I, I have a thing about Beckett ever since. Well, listen, first of all, Beckett born on Good Friday, 1906. Right. So we're celebrating Beckett, but the reason I'm interested in Crap's Last Tape, or the quote, whereas Crap's Last Tape is all about a man having an epiphany. And mm. the tape, as he keeps going back, you might remember, this is what did your head in. And now, lad, keeps going back to the tapes of his voice at various different stages. Yes. And yeah, it's a yeah. sort of meditation on generations and all that sort of stuff, right? And I never knew that. <laughs> that, that that's what it's all about, how, how we age. How yeah. we age. And, and do we, as a person, do we change? Like, am I the same person now that I was when I was 30 or I was when I was 20 or 15? Mm. And how does life affect us? So it's, you know, very, it's a meditation on, on life, Right. John, what's fascinating for me is, is the fact that Beckett was writing all about Dunleary all the time, right? Right. Okay, I, I, right. I so didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is another Beckett quote from Dunleary. By the way, this is a very, very narcissistic podcast. It's about our hometown. Uh, Beckett, this is a quote from Serena 2, which is a poem, right? A route, this is about looking down on Dunleary from the quarry in Dorky, right? right? The a quarry, place we know very well. <laughs> well, as you said about the pier, what was that? <laughs> oh, yeah. The reason why there's a quarry in Kalini is they took all the granite from that quarry, that's why it's a quarry, to build a pier down here. But of course, they created this lovely, perfect venue for us to go drinking in our teens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was perfect place for field drinking. Very picturesque, actually. Yes, yeah. Very picturesque. But the reason we're talking, by the way, about Dunleary Pier and about Beckett and Crop's last tape is, in a minute, we're going to be talking about cathedral thinking. And the idea behind cathedral thinking is you build infrastructure, not to last decades, but to last centuries. Dunleary yeah. Pier was built in 18, between the 1830s through to the 1850s. Big, big project. And it was built to last centuries, and it has done. Yeah. But Beckett, talking about Dunleary, listen, this is lovely, this is a lovely description of Dunleary. He talks about a route of tracks and streams fleeing to the sea, a kindergarten of steeples and then the harbour, like a woman making to cover her breasts. Because mm. it is, if you imagine, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's that sort of movement, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, a, and a kindergarten of steeples. Yes, right? that's but lovely. It is fascinating, but the, the crap's last tape thing is all about epiphanies. And the quote that I just gave you, this great granite rocks, the one that's actually written on Dunleary Pier. Yeah is about an epiphany that he actually had in his 30s. So in Crap's last tape, it's a guy in his late 30s. He's listening to his voice from the late 30s, but he's in his late 60s. Mm. But it's actually an epiphany that he actually had that he decided he was really worried about his work. And unlike, for example, and he decided then, right, this epiphany, which he signaled to have had on Dunleary Pier, right? right. Which okay. is amazing, right? Yeah. That's when he decided to get stripped back his work. So he was really confused. So in the way that Joyce used to add bits, Joyce could never stop writing. Right. Used to add bits and bits and more stories and more stories and more stories. And Beckett thought, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to subtract and get right 
down. And the whole reason that so much of Beck's difficult is his whole idea was he was going to write plays where the language was kind of secondary in the sense that he wanted to give meaning beyond language. So very, very peculiar character. Right? Yeah, it's all highfalutin stuff. Very highfalutin stuff <laughs> yeah. for an economics podcast. Okay, <laughs> but you don't, don't say we don't go to collect it. But my point was, as I was walking onto Leary Pier, yeah. and I was walking past the 40 foot as well, a place where Beckett learned how to swim. Yeah. He writes about that. His dad used to take him to swim all the time in the 40 foot. He writes about that a lot. And I was on Dunleary Pier. I was thinking, these guys built something to last. These guys weren't putting up infrastructures little by little, you know, Jerry building things. They were actually saying, mm. we're going to build something monumental that is going to take us a long time, but it's going to be there for centuries. This is the idea of cathedral thinking. And this week I want to talk about Dublin Port and moving Dublin Port as an example, John, yeah. of cathedral thinking. Because Dublin Port is one, and we've done this before. We've done this before. But remember you went to Oslo and you spoke to the Norwegians yes. about moving yeah, yeah. their port. Yeah. This is what cities do. They take control of their environment and they say, what do we want this to look like? Not in five years' time or in 10 years' time, but in 100 years' time or 200 years' time. And building cities takes a long, long time. Yeah, And yep. that's where you, and the idea of cathedral thinking comes from this notion, John. Uh, we've talked about it before, that the people who built, let's say, Cologne Cathedral or mm. Notre Dame, right? we spoke about it even a couple of weeks ago, yeah. right? Those people built buildings that they knew they would never see when they were completed but they built for future generations, mm. right? And I was always intrigued by the, the notion of this good ancestor. You know this idea? Yes, yeah, yeah. So Jonas Salk, who was the man who invented the vaccine for polio, right? So imagine this. This is a disease that was killing humans for thousands of years, yeah. right? And this guy- and maiming humans. Yeah, too, and yeah. horrible, horrible. Yeah, yeah. And this guy spent years and years and years researching, figuring it out. He was a medic, American medic. Mm. And- he came up with the vaccine for polio, which saved millions of people, not just their lives, but as you said, it made enormous difference to the way people lived. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he gave away for free, right? He actually gave everything away for free, and he was asked, "Why do you do this? Why? Yeah. Did you, why did you not patent it?" And uh, he said, "Because I want to be a good ancestor. I want to leave the world in a better place than I found it," which is an extraordinary thing. But he also he was always, he was, he was a big partier as well, Jonas Salk. Was yeah. he? Went off of Picasso's missus. Did he? He did. And Picasso wasn't, was, you know, was a bit of a swordsman in his day, you know? And yeah. uh, Salk went off with his missus. But uh, tell me this, though. Who was he working for when he, he was working, came up with he the was, vaccine? I don't know what university he was working for or what laboratory. I'm not too sure. Yeah. But I know that he gave it away. See, because I, I wonder, is it a thing now where, you know, how many people would have the opportunity to say, there you go. I've done all this work. I've come up with this cure for whatever, whatever you know, and Mickey Mouse for, for free because, you know, now it's all, everything is so commercialized and I, I so think, much investment that people want their, their they money want, back. They want their money back. Well, yeah. that's, that's the whole thing of pharma, isn't it? Big, that's why it's called yeah, big exactly. pharma because so exactly. many things don't work and you have to invest enormous amounts of research to get one drug. And that's why they demand mm. having patents. And then that's why you have all this, this tug of war between generic drugs and patented drugs and yeah. all that sort of stuff. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating area. For example, in Croatia, right? The woman who lives beside us in Croatia, right? Buys the drugs for Shibinik, the area in the hospital. Right. And they all buy generic drugs. Yeah. They don't buy any patented drugs. They can't afford them. But, it, but isn't it amazing? It feels like, I could be wrong here. And uh, 
just putting it out there that that's always worrying when John this is what he's like in the pub right <laughs> this is what he's like in a bar he said Mac I'm just putting it Two out there points, please. Two more please <laughs> <laughs> but that way of thinking that kind of long term thinking and doing something for the greater good yeah seems to be you seem to be lacking that kind of this approach is, you're right, right so we're going to talk about how do you think long term in an endemic short-term world. Yeah. Thinking long-term in the TikTok age, that is the title of our podcast, John. And you and Beckett would have been <laughs> jealous of that, right? Okay, long-term thinking in the TikTok age, but... But he wouldn't have finished that sentence. <laughs> long-term long thinking, thinking in the... In the... <laughs> and then he'd put on a tape and force you to go and watch it. Anyway, I want to talk about Dublin Port. Dublin Port should, I believe, be moved right? Mm. Imagine the era of putting ports at the mouth of rivers was a function of a time when rivers were the trading superhighways of countries, yeah. okay? So that's why you get all these ports at the mouth of big rivers, because we use the rivers to get goods from the inland. Sure. The Liffey is many things, but a trading superhighway, it is not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why do we have a port at the mouth of the Liffey? I don't know. Because it's a legacy issue yeah. that we had when the Vikings were hanging around, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, it was actually used, my mother talks about that and, and how they brought up, during the Second World War in particular, they brought up turf and they brought up hay for the horses from the, and from the country through the canals, but they all arrived. They all the, arrived, the, but we're not doing that anymore. Yes. Right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Dublin Port has already moved three times. It was Wood Quay. People who That's are right. into uh, yeah. Viking history and archaeology yeah. will know it was then the Customs House. Yeah. And then it moved further down. So it's already, the idea of moving the port is something that Dubliners have been doing for mm. generations. Mm. But the idea here, the real opportunity here, John, is the fact that there are 270 hectares of prime land in the port. If you move the port... That's a huge... It's massive. Event. It's one third the size of Phoenix Park, yeah. which is the largest urban park in Europe. So it's enormous. If you look at the footprint of the port, you're thinking Rathmines, yeah. Ranala, Harold's Cross put together. So it's a whole new suburb. Yeah. It's a whole new, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, we could build, and I'm going to go talk to you about it, you could build a new waterfront city, and a whole new city. The reason this is important is because if we don't build at some level of density, when we talk about Jane Jacobs, some sort of idea of a denser city, what we will do is we will just build out in Ireland. Yeah. And we'll have more and more and more pollution, more and more and more commuting. Out into the green spaces. Out into the green spaces, right? Yeah. Whereas, remember we were talking to John Byrne Murdoch the yes. other day. And he was saying that the denser the urban environment, the more efficient everything is. Transport, hospitals, yeah, schools, Yeah, which makes everything. perfect sense. Makes complete sense, right? And if the port doesn't have to be there, mm -hmm. why is it there? It's there because we just can't be bothered thinking up a new idea. The new idea, even the Dublin Port Company themselves have talked about moving the port to either Bremore, which is just North Dublin, yeah. or Arklaw, right? Yeah. Or you can even go further. There's, there's Greenore up in, in Louth, there's Rosslare, there's Waterford, there's all these places you could actually move it, right? But the idea is that the land which is on Dublin Port is so much more valuable than the land on a greenfield site for a new port that would be somewhere else. Mm. And the whole idea here is to get our head around the notion that people actually like to live beside the sea. I mean, Dublin... It well, of course, they, yeah. People like... People want to live beside... Dublin has done something amazing. 
It's a maritime capital that has turned its back on the sea. Unless you're out in the suburbs, out here in Dunleary or around Sutton, around on the north side, you've no sense of the sea in Dublin, mm. right? And when you get into the city of Dublin, it's as if your gaze is blocked just there at the O2 or the O3 or whatever it's called, you know, yeah. the point depot, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if your gaze is blocked, there's no sense of us being on the water. Now, you went to Oslo. Interesting you should say that about turning your back on the sea, because the main part of Oslo back in the 80s was the main port. It was called Bjorvika. Mm-hmm. And they went through all this kind of soul searching and stuff, and they decided that they would move the port only a mile or two down the fjord. And they turned this whole area, regenerate the whole thing. You were talking about turning your back on the city. They reorientated the city from east to west, which changed not only the physical structure of the city, but also the mind of the city and the perception of the people. And I spoke with one of the city developers, Anne Beat Hovind, and she describes how they went about it, why they went about it. And she makes some really interesting points about the kind of democratic process, but also that long-termism and cathedral thinking. Have a listen. This, 20 years ago, Anne, was a port full of container ships, warehouses, and all that goes with that kind of environment. Mm. And it's completely changed now. Yeah, it's a total transformation. It's not like uh, some parts, some waterfront or harbour developments that have all warehouses they could keep. Um, All of these are taken down. So it's an absolutely total transformation. So 20 years, there's still things to be done. But now it's become, I think, what many people dreamt of. It's a very vibrant city. What kind of impact has the new port had on the city of Oslo as a whole? Well, the city, I think the waterfront development has changed the city a lot. And of course, there's more space and more use of the waterfront. People have kind of discovered that they actually have a seafront behind all these barriers. And I remember just where we are now, People said nobody will go that far, walk that far, because people, in their minds, it was a very long distance. It's not a physical distance, but it's a mental distance. So when they cracked the code, nobody would even mention that today because it's not far. So it has had a big impact, I think, on how the perception about ourselves, the perception of a city, how to develop a city, because it's such a big transformation in Norway. It reminded us, building a city takes a hundred years, you know. You shouldn't build anything that wouldn't last for a long, long time. It's about investments, it's about... Yeah, that's what they did, cathedral thinking, in the old days, yes. right? Yeah. So building a city is a cathedral thinking thing. It's not a short-termism thing. You have to think long-term. So it really conceptually challenged our perception of both place and time. Developing a city is a democratic thing. Nobody should be left alone. I think to build a city, you have to have discussions. It's important because it's part of our democracy to discuss what kind of city do we want. And when I was there, by the way, Mac, you know, the place is just gorgeous. I've been there. It's beautiful. Yeah. And they've the new opera house and the Monk Museum. Absolutely amazing. But listen. We could have a Beckett Museum there just for you, John. (laughs) Let's have a talk about Dublin Port after this. Okay. Okay. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So basically, right now, Dublin Port is having a public consultation period where people can actually give their opinions. And the opinion we would like to give yes. is that, in fact, the entire thing should be moved because Dublin Port is amazing. And this is a quote from Dublin Port themselves, right? So what they're planning to do now, which is redevelop the port, in their own report, this is a quote, they said, Dublin Port will reach its maximum throughput of capacity sometime between 2030 and 2040. This means additional port capacity will be needed elsewhere on the east coast of Ireland to cater for the growth which Dublin Port will not be able to accommodate once this point has been reached. So they've already admitted that Dublin Port will reach capacity in 10 years' time. Right. Like 2040 is only 17 years hence. Saipan was 21 years ago and we're still going on about it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, you are. <laughs> do, do, do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. So yeah, it's even nothing. Dublin it's nothing. Port have admitted... My kids have grown up in the blink of an eye. Exactly. The, my youngest is 17. Exactly. Yeah. And, and in that lifetime again, we'll be at 2040, where they have said... Everything that we're doing now in Dublin, into the port, will reach capacity by then, and we'll have to get a new port anyway somewhere in the East Coast. Yeah. So why not say, whoa, hold on a second, move everything now, as the Norwegians have done, as the Dutch have done, yeah. as the Singaporeans have done, as all countries, or so many countries have done this. And the interesting thing, the interesting thing is the port at the moment, is run, obviously, by a very efficient company, Dublin Port. So it's nothing against them. Yeah. They're obviously very good management. There's about 36 million tonnes of cargo. So it's 7,000 ships coming and going per annum. So it's a very busy port. Yeah. So they can run a port. Yeah. So it's just a matter of shifting the location. And there are options. But of course, what they've said is, well, we can't do this because A, Ireland isn't good at mega projects, which is kind of fair enough, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? We, we yeah. do accept that. But that's no reason not to do it. Just because we have overruns on previous projects doesn't mean that you actually don't do it. Yeah. Number two, 
we've already admitted that Dublin port will be a capacity. But number three, much more like the Norwegians, it changes the city. Yes. This is what city developers do. When you look at all the beautiful buildings in Dublin, for example, they were all built in this extraordinary period from about 1750 to about 1790. Mm. Dublin was reconceived. The Wide Streets Commission in the Victorian age created boulevards in Dublin that have again stood the test of time. This is what you do. You reimagine the city. This is what the Norwegians have done. This is exactly what any city that, in, that has a sense of pride about itself does. And, and what, what Anne was saying there, what, like in Oslo, they started it 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. And they're still kind they're of... still building it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still a work in progress. But it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, the yeah. thing is, it changed the city. So the Dublin port guys have said, look, we're going to reach capacity, but Ireland's very, very bad at this. I know, anyway, it's going to be extremely expensive. Mm. So what they've said is, if you wanted to move it to Arklo, for example, this is one... one yeah. They're saying it would cost 8.3 billion euros. Right. The entire project, moving it, shifting all the machinery that's already in the port, New infrastructure, new port, so, all that stuff. So that's just a little more than half of the surplus budget we had last year. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's okay. like the windfall from Google. Yes. It's yeah, not yeah, a huge yeah. But, but I have done some back of the envelope calculations. Oh, good man. Now, this is the interesting thing, right? Ireland needs urban housing. We know that. Yeah. There is the potential. There is a special development zone in Poolbeg, right? Yeah. If you take exactly the same density that has been already announced in Poolbeg and already underwritten in Poolbeg, and you do it in Dublin Port, you'll get something the following, right? The Poolbeg density is 238 units per hectare. Dublin Port is 270 hectares, okay? So if you superimpose the plan on the port, you would create 61,880 new units in this new city. That's wow accommodating about 100,000 people at one or two people per unit. Okay, mm. that's what we decided to go, right? So it's 100,000 people. Is that really dense? No, 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 no. That that would be on, on a par with normal. So a lot of people say, oh my God, they're going to build Manhattan on the... Yeah. A lot of, you know, that's no, this is this is actually Norwegian density we're talking about. Right, okay. So no, what nobody's saying is, you know, people say, oh, you're going to build Dubai on the Docklands? No, we're going to build a new city which will accommodate people and will have perfectly modern infrastructure. That's the key. Yes. And now think about this. So imagine it costs 8.3 billion. You thought, okay, how much does the land, the site value of every unit have to be to make back 8.3 billion to pay for itself? This is the key. I have calculated, John, Mm -hmm. that every site unit from this would need to be 134,000 euros per site, right? Now, what that means is that, so you multiply, just to get it in your head, right? 134,000 multiplied by 238 units multiplied by 260 hectares. That gives you the figure, right? Site values at that are a bargain. 135 grand is a bargain in Dublin for a site value. Dublin site values are three or four times that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could provide social housing cheaper than anyone else on that site, you would have no people, for example, talking to you about yimbyism or nimbyism because there's no one there, there. right? You could build 60,000 units for 100,000 people at half the price 
of developments that are being developed in Dublin at the moment. Not and, the, oh. and at that price, you could pay for the entire move of the port, the 8.3 billion, self-financing. Yes. Self-financing, the whole thing. Yeah. So it could be and, and And also you'd have a whole new amenity of the whole waterfront of Dublin. The whole world from Dublin completely changed. And as, as, as they did in Norway, you'd reorientate the city yep. to yeah. the sea, right? Yeah. Dublin faces the M50 when it <laughs> could face the sea, yeah. right? What other maritime city closes off its access to its single biggest resource and amenity, which is the sea? Which when we go back to Beckett, this is what we're getting... Beckett swimming, talking about the seas crashing down, the epiphanies. Dublin is a seaside town. Yeah. And yet we have blocked it off. We have a housing crisis. And yet we don't entertain the single most obvious prime real estate in the country, which is owned by us. Nobody else owns it. The state yeah. owns it. We are the shareholders of Dublin. We could move Dublin Port. And if you wanted to self-finance that move, you could do that by superimposing the new density of pool bag onto this new site, 135 grand per site cost is a bargain. And at that price, you've paid for everything. I mean, it's a real, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a no-brainer because obviously these are huge projects. Mm. But we go back to the cathedral thinking, unless we think about future generations, unless we think about building infrastructure for people who have yet to be born. The thing about people who are yet to be born is they have no voice. So somebody has to speak for them. We spoke about John Gray a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. John Gray, the man who created the water infrastructure that is still bringing, yeah. still bringing fresh water to Dubliners, right? Over-engineer the project, he said. Build more capacity than you have to. At the moment, we have an opportunity to completely change the city and completely change the east coast of Ireland and completely reorientate the industrial model of Ireland. And all it demands is somebody thinking, not one decade into the future, not two decades into the future, but thinking about 200 years into the future. That's how you build cities. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.